This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Christopher Longhurst, Chief Medical Officer and Chief Digital Officer, as well as Associate Dean and Clinical Professor at UC San Diego Health. Dr. Longhurst, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Well, thank you for so much for having me. Now, I know we have a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in the healthcare space and, and with that intersection of technology too, digital health has just taken off, especially in the past couple of years. But before we dive into our discussion, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. I serve as the Chief Medical Officer and Chief Digital Officer here at UC San Diego Health. Prior to that, I was the Chief Information Officer and Associate Chief Medical Officer for Quality. And prior to that, I served uh, for 15 years at Stanford, most recently as the Chief Medical Information Officer. So my career has really taken me through the evolution of electronic health record and a lot of other digital health technologies into more of a medical operations leadership role. That's amazing. And, you know, when you think about just how your career has evolved, did you ever imagine that it would become so integrated in the IT and technology space when you're originally in medical school and going through all that training? <laughs> well, I certainly wish I could take credit for predicting that, but I, I certainly did not. Um, when I was in medical school, I had a strong interest in the intersection of information technology with healthcare delivery. And I found this nascent field called healthcare informatics. And I was fortunate enough to find some great mentors and they advised me to take some time to, to do some education in the space. And so I got a master's degree and that prepared me well to help with an electronic health record implementation at Packard Children's Hospital at Stanford right as I finished my residency training. Got it. Well, that's definitely fortuitous and, and, you know, really, it seems like it's been a great spot and obviously grown a lot over the years. So, you know, when you think about where we're at right now, the past couple of years during the pandemic, a lot of digital health capabilities expanded, more virtual care and telehealth, as well as a digital front door and those kinds of initiatives from hospitals and health systems across the country. So when you think about how technology is evolving and in, in integrating into the healthcare space, what is most exciting to you? Yeah, there's a lot of exciting things happening. I want to point out, though, that none of this has happened overnight. And while there's a lot of excitement about the transition to telehealth and virtual care that occurred right at the beginning of the pandemic, that wouldn't have been an option had we not been preparing for that for many years in advance. I mean, we went from uh, just, you know, 0.1 or 0.2% of our visits being telehealth to uh, over 50% of our visits that first month of the pandemic in April 2020. But that was only possible because of the infrastructure we put, we had already put in place, you know, a cloud-based um, uh, platform that allowed us to scale quickly. A lot of processes and policies and hard work um, prepared us for that transition. But nevertheless, it was a pivotal moment and healthcare will never be the same. We now run on average 15 to 20% of our visits being virtual, which is tremendous for both patient experience and in many cases, our provider experience. One of the neat programs that we started uh, about a year into the pandemic is called our Virtual Transition of Care Program, where we know that um, patients discharged from our hospital medicine service uh, would be best served by seeing a hospitalist after discharge. But of course, those hospitalists are busy in the hospital and not well prepared for a clinic setting. And so by using uh, virtual care technology, we've been able to follow our patients up our high-risk patients with a virtual visit from our hospitalist, and that's helped us to decrease readmissions. So those type of programs are really enabled by a digital health platform and infrastructure. 
Absolutely. That's so interesting to hear and, and, you know, really being able to move nimbly and innovate on the the fly, but having that strong foundation of, as you mentioned, how um, technology has evolved over several years in order to be what it is and, and be primed for, for um, you know, the moment when it could just explode across the, the country and, and really um, become a, an invaluable aspect of healthcare delivery is, is so interesting. Um, and, and when you look ahead, you know, are there areas that you're seeing that are really in a spot where um, disruption from technology makes a lot of sense that are really primed for additional growth and development when you think about where technology could be most useful in the future? Absolutely. You know, Across the country, from a quality and patient safety standpoint, there's been a focus on becoming highly reliable and delivering that high reliable healthcare that every patient deserves, which means applying best practices and evidence in every case to get those um, best possible outcomes. At the same time, the Institute of Medicine uh, defined what they called a learning health system. And a learning health system is one which uses the data which is continually produced as a byproduct of care to continuously inform process and quality improvement. And that concept of a learning health system is really synergistic, in my opinion, with high reliability. So that's our goal here at UC San Diego Health is to become a highly reliable learning health system, which means not only are we applying known best practices constantly to deliver the best outcomes, but we're also generating new best practices by carefully examining ours and others' data. And so that's what's most exciting to me is that these digital platforms are going to allow us to become more effective at becoming a learning health system. So I can give you a couple of examples. You know, the first is that uh, I had a patient I cared for uh, some time ago who was a, a known lupus patient admitted to the hospital in a, a lupus crisis. And this patient um, was losing protein in the urine, which put her at high risk for clotting. And we asked the question, should she be anticoagulated? And the answer was, we didn't really know because there's not good published evidence on teenagers with lupus and clotting risk. And that's when we did something that was fairly novel. We went to our hospital electronic health record and we pulled out data on similar patients. And we found that, in fact, patients with lupus who had lab findings like hers were at five to 15 fold higher risk of clotting in our experience. And so in the absence of peer reviewed evidence, we were able to uh, use the data to guide best practices along with professional uh, clinical decision-making. And that's the kind of thing we really wanna see executed more commonly. In fact, uh, at a recent user group meeting, um, our vendor announced the availability of a data warehouse spanning uh, multiple sites using their electronic health record. And that type of thing is really exciting to us because it creates more opportunity for us to become that rapidly learning health system. Absolutely. That's a fantastic example. And, and, you know, really something that I think it, it seems like a lot of health systems and clinicians are striving to have the ability um, to really practice medicine in that way, look at the evidence in, in, you know, even if there's not, as you mentioned, a published data in, in a peer reviewed journal, but really something that they have at their fingertips at a moment's notice when they actually need it for that episode of care. Um, it seems like that could be really game changing if that is something that could be more widely spread in the future. Absolutely. And it implies a lot of things. I mean, it implies um, a team of data scientists that can help with this analysis. It implies easy, user-friendly uh, analytics tools. And it implies bringing that uh, workflow right into the decision-making process, whether that's for operational or clinical or quality purposes or individual patient care. I'll give you another example, which is that during the uh, pandemic, when, of course, we started uh, vaccinating our healthcare workforce, 
because our healthcare workforce uh, vaccines were tracked along with their testing in our hospital electronic health record, we had very real-time access to the real-world effectiveness of those vaccines. And so we published the New England Journal in March of 2021, the rapid decline that we saw in uh, infections in our healthcare workforce as a result of the vaccination uh, efforts. But then in the summer of 2021, when the Center for Disease Control was saying that breakthrough infections were rare, we were seeing them happening very commonly in our healthcare workforce and our student population. And so in fact, we shared that in September of 2021 in New England Journal. And it was one of the first publications showing the rising incidence of breakthrough infections with the Delta wave. And in fact, that evidence was cited in front of the FDA and the CDC in their deliberations that ultimately resulted in the approval of booster shots for the healthcare workforce. And so again, that real-time learning health system contributing to not only our outcomes and policies here locally at UC San Diego Health, but to the national dialogue and something that we wanna you know, see continued, not just from our institution, but from all learning health systems. That's amazing to hear. And, you know, really, I, I know, like you said, make a made a difference on a national scale in terms of how people were thinking about those breakthrough infections and, and what really they should be preparing for in the coming months. And so uh, it's, it's just really amazing what data and information can do along those lines and in what you're able to do. Um, so before we wrap up our discussion, I just have one more question here. What are the top challenges that you're preparing for over the next year or two? Sure. Well, I'd say one of those top challenges is clearly the workforce. Uh, we're seeing more mobility in the workforce. The great resignation is not really pulling through as much, but we are seeing because of remote work uh, policies, uh, people who are staying in our area, but working for other institutions. And uh, that's a challenge that uh, we're facing head on with uh, not only our remote work um, policies and culture, but also uh, the ability to attract talent from other markets. I think a second uh, really important one is overhyping of technologies. And this is something I wanna be cautious about. Artificial intelligence and machine learning hold great promise, but it's really at the peak of hype cycle. And we need to back off um, you know, the promise of these technologies until they're really proven out. And there, there's a number of challenges, whether it's around the ethics of implementing AI algorithms that have been you know, learned from one data set that may or may not represent the diversity of patients that you're seeing um, to the uh, technologies integration into the workflow, to um, the trust that clinicians have. I mean, some of our researchers and investigators locally just published some data about sepsis prediction algorithms. And one of their notable findings was that training the algorithms to say, I don't know, is actually one of the most valuable ways of creating trust, right? There, there may be clear times when the algorithm should predict sepsis and recommend intervention and times when the algorithm isn't going to make a recommendation, but having that ability to say, I don't know, there's not enough data is as important as those other predictions. And so we have a lot more to learn in those space before I think those uh, algorithms are ready to uh, transform the way we're delivering uh, clinical care. We will see this uh, occur with time. It's just not gonna occur overnight. That's a really great point. Dr. Longhurst, thank you so much for your time today. This has been an amazing conversation and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for your time, Laura, and thanks for everything Beckers does.